you're listening to Girls Gone Wild, this is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 124. Welcome, welcome. We have Lisa back. Yay! Lisa. So happy to be here. So we're doing another episode. Just when I was uh, all done talking about bodies, we're going to be talking about bodies again. I'm kind of a hypocrite. I mean, we all got one. We should talk about it. <laughs> I feel really self-conscious now about talking. So guys, right before we started this, I, we apologize if my sound is a little bit funky. I'm on Skype and there's a blizzard. And now I'm like self-conscious about saying anything. I'm like, what if I sound fuzzy? <laughs> so Claire's like, like, hi guys. Hey. Hi. Should I interject? All right, so you guys, let's interject. Let's speaking of interjecting, let's talk about Kalo. Kalo has new videos, so they collaborated with Outside Magazine to produce a video of a professional rock climber, Cedar Wright. Who, incidentally, we almost named Miles after if we were going to name him Cedar. Nuh-uh. Yeah, that's where we got the idea. That's right. The name Cedar. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that's amazing. His wife Nellie and their all-trained pug Gus. How cute is that? Which is sounds fantastic. So you can find that video on blog.kalo.com or on Kalo's Facebook page. If you guys are big on the whole shopping Black Friday thing, keep an eye out for huge Black Friday sales and you can follow at Kalo Ring on social media for all the news on that. Sales are going to be big and then you can use your discount code for more savings and discount code is GGW and that gets you 15% off your order. So support Kalo and support the podcast as you always do. Yeah. You guys are awesome with us. And how cute is your little Kalo Ring be in the stopping sucker? Stopping so, how do you say that word? Stocking stuffers. Stocking stuffer. <laughs> this is my life right now, you guys. I forgot my son's name with pediatrician. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to just say that. You need to tell the story of how you forgot Miles' yeah. Miles name. Oh, sorry. For a second, I thought you said it. you had to tell the story of when you forgot Miles. And I was like, <laughs> that's not a good sign. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you already forgot him somewhere. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Hey, my mom left me at a store once when I was nine. I think so. it's happened to everyone before. Yeah, it usually does take a couple of years, though. It's not like within the first few weeks. Um, no, I went to sign him in at the pediatrician, and I forgot his name. And the lady was like, what's the name? And I was like, uh, Cook. And she was like, Miles? I was like, yes, Miles. You can go to qalo.com, get your discount, qalo.com. All right, let's jump into the episode. Because I'm so annoyed with talking about bodies, we're just going to talk about bodies more. No, I was talking to Lisa about this because I was like, I feel like a hypocrite because I was preaching so much about bringing up articles that are talking about women's bodies and females' bodies, and now we're talking about it again. So can you like reframe it to where I feel comfortable about this, Lisa? I'm trying to remember what I said to you because at the moment it sounded brilliant. You were saying like the relationship. Right. So it's there's a difference between talking about bodies as an object, right? So I think that's what I hear you comp- you you venting about mostly. Yeah. Um is like is the emphasis like whether it's not like the focus is on being thin and attractive or strong and embracing like your strength and your muscles and you know your power. It's still objectification, yeah. right? So I, I said to Joy, I was like, there's a difference between being irritated at, we're just shifting the focus, and then there's a difference between that and then talking about what we're really talking about, well, I hope to talk about with this, is is our relationships with our bodies. It's just about relationship. Yeah. So you guys, Lisa has been on our episode or on, on our podcast this is your fourth time? Fourth or fifth? I think it's your fourth or fifth time. And you've been on a couple times. It's probably almost been a year because I remember we did the poop episode with Natalia, you and Natalia. So we can go back and we can reference those episodes that you've been on. But we have a bunch of questions from the listeners. And I just feel like this this has been coming up so much in the media. I have a few things to bring up that age, 
Sometimes I feel like age plays a factor into talking about this issue that my 20 year old self would hear this completely different than my 30 year old self or my 40 year old, my, my hashtag sleigh ride to 40 year old self. <gasps> Is that a new hashtag for me? Well, it's a joke because I, I'm turned I know, 38. Think, yeah. you, you think you're 40. Yeah. So I feel like <laughs> this, this has completely changed from age. So we can talk about this, but are we really, I don't know, how are we helping? I feel like it's sometimes we preach things where you can't really catch it at a young age because that's when you don't really hear things. And I think something too that Joy and I were talking about and for your listeners, Joy and I have known each other for 12 years, 12 years. We work together and have been friends and we've seen each other through some like very bizarre, very sad, very happy personal professional experiences. And we were just having a conversation last week about like, man, like I feel like the older I get, the less I know, like the more dumb I'm becoming in many areas. And then we, on the flip side, I'm like, man, if I could write a letter to myself or a letter to someone in their 20s, um, it would be, I, I wish, what I wish I had known then that I wish I know now in relation, in regards to our relationships with our partners, with our bodies, with ourselves, with our friends. Um, and so we kind of wanted to open up the topic to kind of be more like, how do we talk about women's issues when we're talking about bodies, which Joy hates. <laughs> And because it's funny to me when you guys are like, now with our older selves, and I'm like, well, now I feel like I'm like, well, I'm only 27. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just so mature for my age. But I also, I mean, and we've talked about this before, and I know that some people probably bang their heads against the wall when I say this, but, like, I didn't, didn't really grow up with the same body issues that a lot of people did, and right. I really took that for granted until I became sort of more in the athletic world and started realizing how huge of a deal this was for everybody. And to me, all of a sudden, I was like, oh... I guess, you know, it, I mean, never, you know, not to say that I never looked at my body and was like, oh, I want to change X, Y, and Z, but it, it didn't, it never ha- held a very prominent, those thoughts never held a very prominent place in my life. Yeah. And so in a way, I think I really kind of escaped that kind of part of my early adulthood and kind of like, you know, got away with not having to deal with that. So um, in some ways, you know, I feel like that transitional growing, you know, growing out of that is not something that I ever really had to do. And so in a way, it's not really a struggle that I can like really identify it with a ton. In different ways though, right? Like you have, there's, I think we do in all, in different ways, just not maybe in like the mainstream, typical like women dealing with issues with eating type of stuff. Right. And I, and there's, you know, and I think like there's a lot, you know, that I have sort of started and especially, you know, it's like going through your pregnancy and everything, just going through like, there's definitely a, a shift in mindset in terms of the way that I view my body and the and like the way the things that I value about my body I think that's really more what it is is it's been like there's been a shift in the things that I value about about my body but it, it didn't start from that place that I think a lot of people can relate to of like that body image sort of issue and I think what I'm coming to realize is this is just a thing that's going to be there especially mm-hmm. with women. And I know that there was an article that came out where um, Elizabeth Akinwale was talking about the professional athletes who get, the female professional athletes that get a lot of attention over the males and blah, blah, blah. And this whole thing blew up. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's on, I think it's like all over the CrossFit main page or whatever, wherever they have their Instagram. And it was all this back and forth about females in the media and CrossFit and how they are portrayed, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't have to deal with that with men. And that's a very real thing. Yeah. And we've brought that up before in terms of like, you know, why are they posting crotch shots of the female athletes? Why are like, you know, when they um, broadcasted the 
uh, pegboard event at the games, and they had the the you know camera looking up the women, like looking up from under their butts, and they didn't you know have that shot of a single one of the men. Then you get those back and forth between like, well, yeah, but who's you know who's the one doing the objectifying here? Can you have you know can you represent women's bodies? when they're wearing booty shorts and sports bras in a way that is not sexualized, like, is it even possible to do that? Well, you know, when Rich Froning takes his shirt off, come on, like, we make comments. Right. That's so true. <laughs> but they're not, you know, doing a close-up on Rich Froning's nipples or, you know, not that they do for close-up on, like, anybody's nipples, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I need to Google who this guy is. I, would really, I realize I probably really just I would created, really like, like, a CrossFit, like, <laughs> like, sin oh. but i don't know who that is i'm actually gonna go um yeah, you probably need to do that the thing so clara was looking at the crossfit main page i don't know where this was but there was a photo of the 2015 at the beach event where the girls were all lined up and ready to go swimming and it was just like a really cool shot of the women from behind yeah and mm-hmm. i made the lovely mistake of reading the comments oh gosh and one never of the, read the comments joy never that's like internet 101 i know I know. It's like the rules of feminism. (laughs) I was waiting for that. It's like the rules of feminism. So I was reading the comments and one a-hole said, where are the girls? And I have to admit, like, that comment really bothered me where, of course, I... Yeah, a douche hole. Total douche hole. And then, of course, all the comments underneath were like, yeah, why are you afraid of, like, a strong woman? Or where's your something? It was like some blow to him, like, where's your balls or something? But I really realized that I can't say that I'm completely over this stuff of how women are portrayed, even being a strong CrossFit girl. Looking at it now, there's still, even reading that comment, I, if I was very honest with myself, I was like, that really hurt. That hurt my feelings because I'm like, not that I look like them, but just that I'm strong and I'm muscular. Right. And I thought that someone could look at you and be like, wow, yeah, where are the girls? Where are the girls? And yeah. even though that guy's comment means nothing to me, it's just that that is out there and it hurt. Like on some weird level, it hurt my feelings. Right, oh my so god, I want to, I want to get really deep right now. Well, no, not with me. <laughs> okay. We're not talking about me. I know, but <laughs> but anyway, so that well, that was like a very real moment where I'm like, yeah, this still exists, and that's you know, we can sit here and wax poetic about like love your body, but at the end of the day, there's still stuff that chaps our hide. Well, and this goes back to something that I've said. I said like back on the first time I was here, and I stand by it. It's you know, like we still are objectifying our bodies, even if it's in like a so-called healthier perspective of like you know being strong and you know not being ashamed of our appetites or whatever that is it's still an objectification the other thing that I want to say and I know I'm getting off track but sorry I just had this image (laughs) when you were talking about that like picture of all the women's booties there's a reason they have that and not of the guys booties women's booties are pretty hot and sexy yeah right like i wouldn't want to see as a straight woman i wouldn't want to see a shot of a bunch of guys butts like from below like i'm like so i don't know i feel like i'm playing devil's advocate here but i'm like no like probably not the most flattering True. shot no, like that's a good point. you want to show me like the you know yeah. i have certain areas that yeah. i would like you to are, see photos you of. would like to see the area <laughs> so, so anyway yeah so okay so we have a ton of questions okay. and i don't want to get off too much <laughs> on our stuff but i just had to bring that up too of being honest with myself and being honest about this topic that it's still an issue um, on some level. And so I think, I think especially with a lot of what we've heard feedback in the past. And by the way, 
Lisa is, let's go for your experience so people kind of know your background really, really quick. Yeah, real quick. So I have been working at a private hospital for patients with eating disorders, men and women, for the past four and a half years. Um, I've been a therapist there. I recently had a promotion and I'm um, in a different role with our intake department. Um, but I have been there for four years and then prior to that I was working as a therapist um, with joy, basically. Yeah. We have tons of questions. And you, you've been on in the past with Natalia, who's a dietitian, the real doctor, the, the RD. The real doctor. She <laughs> just got back from Nicaragua, and that's why she's not here. Oh, well, really we'd sad. love to have her back next time, yeah. too. We just wanted to put a shout out for your questions, and you guys responded, as you always do. So we're going to keep everyone anonymous, just because we didn't really clarify who wanted their name used or not. So we'll keep everyone anonymous. And the first one says, I have an eating disorder that stays at bay when I CrossFit regularly and eat paleo. I have always been overweight despite the eating disorder. Currently, I've fallen off my healthy bandwagon and I'm not sure how to make healthy, logical, attainable goals for myself. I've tried working with my coaches, but they're not familiar enough with eating disorders to help me. I do want to look a certain way. I do want to be able to lift heavier and be more athletic in general, but I don't know what healthy markers look like. If I base solely on weightlifting numbers or running times, I'm still going to be thinking about when my appearance will change. So how do I work with my coaches to choose safe goals for myself that are logical, healthy, and attainable? Hold on. Yeah, but I need but to when, the that. first thing that I look at when I or that I see here is I'm not sure if you should be talking to your coaches about this. This to me, I feel like okay, you you led the question with I have an eating disorder that stays at bay when I CrossFit regularly. Hmm. That's my first red flag. Mm -hmm. Go. That, now you go. That was going to be my red flag, actually, leading from the first sentence. And I, I kind of want to, and I've said this every time I've come on the podcast, but really quickly, the profession that I'm in is we are treating like pretty serious eating disorders. So most of your listeners don't have that, or they may have, you know, they, they may have some variation along the spectrum. Um, so I'm an alarmist, and you guys know this, but um, my first concern when I hear that question is I have an eating disorder that stays at bay when I am exercising and following a particular diet. Are you or are you over-exercising and following a particular diet? And there's a lot of people that do paleo and CrossFit and don't have eating disorders. But Natalia, I think, talked about this before. If you have a history of an eating disorder, basically you need to be very careful about the type of exercise you're doing and the diet that you're following. In this case, what I'm actually hearing is she's kind of playing whack-a-mole. Yeah, right? that's what like, I was that's thinking. Like, yeah. like, okay, well, I'm like, I'm not restricting or I'm not purging or I'm not over-exercising, but I'm following a particular diet. It's, it's still symptomatic right. of a struggle with eating. And it's clearly occupying a lot of her time and energy in her thought process yeah and that worries me fill me in on some of the other questions like i sorry no she just she just really leads into that of oh. it stays at bay and she wants to set markers for her training and crossfit to help with that but the coaches aren't familiar enough with eating disorders to help so my first thought is i hope this person has a therapist that is that is specializing in eating disorders and hopefully a dietitian um that's kind of keeping track of that um i think anytime again this is not for probably the majority of your listeners but if you have a eating disorder history and not a lot of space from from when you were very sick or really struggling to set goals and markers 
can be a little dangerous. Yeah, because she says, currently I've fallen off the healthy bandwagon. I'm not sure how to make healthy, logical, attainable goals for myself. I agree with Lisa that you're, you are an alarmist. Reading your questions, you guys out there that submitted questions, we're reading them just from, obviously we don't know your background. We don't know if it's just on the minor end of the spectrum or the serious, acute end of the spectrum. But if this is something that you're true, we're always going to probably err on the side of mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a problem. So just know that if you're going to be, you know, starting off with saying, I've struggled with an eating disorder. Our question is, has that been treated? Has it been something you've treated in the past? And then is now are you just trying to maintain it and you need to get back into therapy or what mm-hmm. have you? And I think too, um, I mean, I'm really glad that she was honest and it sounds, it actually sounds like she's really doing a lot of self-reflection and she's thinking like, is this working for me? How do I be healthy? I think again, when we're going to, and we're going to get to this, but the black and white thinking, right? Mm-hmm. sounds like I'm doing really good. I'm eating paleo. I'm, I'm doing my CrossFit, but recently like I fell off the healthy bandwagon the question is like, what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't have to be one bandwagon or the right. other. And we'll get to that. Okay. I think, obviously, not having any sort of therapist background myself, but having, you know, this being the fifth or sixth time that we've talked to Lisa, that also was kind of my first reaction of, like, okay, well, you know, getting into this, is this something? And also, from a coaching perspective, you know, if I had someone come up to me and say, listen, I have a, in a you know, disordered eating background or even an eating disorder background, how can I set goals? The first thing I would probably say to them is, you know, I'm not in a position to really help you because I don't know what your healthy boundaries are even going to look like. And so I don't know if that's also something that, that they need to discuss like with a therapist or that they need to kind of, I, you know, I don't, I just don't know that like there can even be a, a place to set a healthy boundary at yeah. that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next question says, sorry to, oh, she asked another question. When we discuss eating disorders, I generally hear people talk about anorexia or bulimia, but rarely do we talk about people who have addiction to food that isn't classified as the above. If you could talk about food addiction. Sure. Um, in the new DSM-5, which for anyone other than Therapy Joy World I, is like our diagnostic <laughs> manual. We're so smart. We're so smart. <laughs> um, just this year, they added a official diagnosis of binge eating disorder. Um, so that that is actually how that helps is it helps us get insurance authorization for people that may be struggling with binge eating disorder. Where in the past it was mostly just bulimia. So if they weren't diagnosed with bulimia and they were just binge eating, then you couldn't treat binge eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You couldn't get authorization for that. Yep. Um, so, so now we do have an awareness in the field that binge eating is an actual diagnosis and there are ways to treat it. We actually have a cutting edge program that's occurring in Chicago right now that's just treating binge eating disorder disorder. Um, and then there's also a spectrum of, um, hold on, wait, I should really know this. It used to be eating disorder, not otherwise specified. It is now other eating disorder. <laughs> um, so again, there's a huge spectrum and of where people can fall with their behaviors. And I do think that binge eating or slash food addiction. And I'm like, well, what is food addiction? That's like a whole nother topic. But that is, in general, I find something that we have a little bit of a social stigma about. And a lot of people are suffering with some very unhealthy relationships with binging. A couple of the questions that you showed me that I think we'll get to later, I just, I was like, man, I am so sad that food is becoming such a drug for people. Mm -hmm. Hold on, we have a question here that I'm trying to find. 
I, I can keep talking while you're looking for that. Yeah, go ahead. Or something else that I was thinking about. So while we're talking about binging on, on food or food addiction, um, I just saw the, the new Michael Moore documentary, which, okay, before you turn this off, because you know how Michael Moore gets, you know. He traveled to different countries in Europe and was just taking a look at different cultural norms there. And he went to this elementary school in France where the food there is prepared by, like, renowned chef. It's local food. And lunch is an hour-long class. And what they're doing is they are teaching these elementary school kids how to eat and enjoy food as an actual meal. And it was amazing. It is amazing. And like, you know, they start with like a cheese course and they go, none of the kids had soda or any crap like that. What I, what I came away with is how we don't, we don't do that in America. Um, and that's why we have (laughs) such a problem. (laughs) He showed kids pictures of hot lunches in America and these like little French kids were like, that looks disgusting. (laughs) Um, and we've just, we, we've really gotten disconnected. I mean, we eat quickly. We, what do we have? A half hour lunch break, if that. We eat at our desks. We have lost any mindfulness when it comes to tasting and enjoying our food, which should be an hour-long class for kids. Do you do that with some of your patients? Yes, absolutely. What do you do? Absolutely. Um, We will will sit with patients and we'll either go outside or we'll go to a restaurant and we talk about kind of being very aware of what does your food look like? What does it taste like? Um, What smells do you have? It's a very much mindfulness thing. I know someone talked about intuitive eating and we can get to that too. Okay. Um, I mean, I think also like there's an extreme of that too. Like the reality is not all of us have an hour to like sit down and like make love to a meal. I want to take a class about cheese, about enjoying a cheese course. Right? That sounds amazing. Sounds so great. I would that sounds not. like a lot. I would rather do that than a lot of things for an hour. Let's like, just say I that. know. <laughs> Brie 101. Okay, I have a question. Are we ready? Okay, yeah. How do you differentiate between restrictive eating, i.e. not eating that gigantic chocolate muffin, versus just making a healthy choice and choosing not to? I know 100% that my eating issues, uh, parentheses, binging, definitely comes from restricting food. I'll eat good all day, then binge on junk food later. But I also don't want to eat junk food all the time just to make sure I'm not restricting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's black and white thinking one-on-one, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is like what we talk about. Everyone, okay, can we just stop? Hammer time. No. <laughs> Sorry. Too legit to we quit. Just, we just need to quit. Hammer time break. Okay. Excuse us. Okay, we're back. I wish we had that song right now. Oh, I can look it up. Don't you worry. <laughs> Re- restrict yourself, Joy. <laughs> restrict the hammer time. Um, restrict no, the hammer time. I restrict totally... yourself, but not your food. So I was just thinking that every time we talk about this, almost every question we get has black and white thinking. Yeah. And, and then I feel not? like people are like, I know this is black and white right. thinking, but, the, but yeah. doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. One of the things that I thought about when I when I read this question was like, I eat good all day, question mark. Like, yes. what is that? Yeah. What is good all day? Yeah. You know, like, what, what, what are you comparing that to? Now, that's not to say, like, everyone knows, like, you probably, well, actually, if Natalia was here, she's like, I don't agree. But I mean, everyone knows, like, you don't want to go get like an egg McMuffin and wait, like, wait, what oh. would she not agree with? 
I was going to I was going to say like, you know, everyone knows like you want to like be somewhat mindful of the choices that you're oh, making. Sure. Like not every day, you know, you want to be eating crap all day. And Natalia would be like, "Well, maybe I don't know, maybe you do." But in general, if you're trying, I'm trying to appeal to your listeners. Sure, sure, sure. You know, everyone wants to eat nutritiously in a way that fuels your body, but like what does eating good all day even mean? Mm-hmm. Right? If you're eating salads and green smoothies, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be hungry 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 if I'm eating that all day and so in in this case my, my first question is like what does eating good all day because again what's the opposite of good bad mm-hmm. right so this woman in particular is eating quote like good all day and coming home and binging at night there is a serious need for reflection with this case what is she binging on right I ta- i've talked about this before oftentimes i find that what people are binging on is indicative of something that's going on in their life right so right. if you're binging on sweets where are you needing sweetness sugar like yeah. some love in your life if you're binging on crunchy stuff like you're angry like there is something happening in your life I love chips right I mean I love chips too right? <laughs> really really I'm like sitting here I'm like oh my gosh does that mean I'm angry because I, I can house Claire. an entire bag of tortilla chips and do I have like some deep-seated anger I need to work on or do I just really love nachos so much Claire I just we just videoed with you and I saw that huge bag of tortilla chips next to you. Sitting right next to me. I'm not gonna lie. I actually saw it too and then I was gonna say something and then I was like, wait, I'm the eating disorder expert. I don't wanna like make her feel bad about the chips. Um, all I'm saying is that you burn like a thousand calories when you breastfeed. I so know. I'm not It I'm almost not makes me wanna have a baby. It's pretty ridiculous actually how hungry I am at all times. Yeah. Which is why I like ten minutes before you called me, I was sitting here feeding miles. So like he's taking the calories out and I'm putting the calories in. Putting them back in just shove them back in anyway but the black and white thinking is pretty ridiculous i mean and we all do it but it's there's just i don't feel like any of us know how know how to do the middle ground thing i really don't no and so what i actually would say in the case of this listener like i think this listener needs a dietitian right and i think you and i texted about this and i was like well this is where we start talking about pleasure and satisfaction Mm -hmm. right so i've gone through i've gone through periods in my life where i was eating like overly healthy almost to a point of orthorexia which for those people who know like it's um basically an obsession with eating clean healthy foods and and I was hungry all the time. And so, you know, food should be satisfying, food should be pleasurable, um, and food should be good for you. You know, I know, for example, like I can eat like a big salad for lunch and no matter how many like good things I put on it, protein or whatever, I still leave and I'm like, oh, I'm still so hungry, right? And then I realized lately, I'm like, I freaking love sandwiches. Yeah. Nothing to me is more satisfying than a sandwich. No. So guess what? I start having a sandwich and I have it on multigrain bread and a little cheese and a little protein and I put a side salad and some fruit and like, you know, I, I make it as healthy and nutritious as I can and I finish and I'm not hungry the rest of the day. So that's what works for me. But, you know, other people, I just, I want to ask her like, what are you really eating throughout the day? Um, because clearly you are binging frequently because you are either hungry or not satisfied and whether that's actually with your diet or something else that's going on in your life yes yeah i mean it's just a lot of the people that commented on this question were saying that they have the same exact issue 
A lot of people do this yo-yo stuff. So it's every time I start to get back on track, lose a bunch of weight, get into a fitness routine, I get more and more restrictive and more and more obsessed. Harder on myself until I fall off the wagon and binge and then make myself sick. I, when I was reading these, it was funny. I was reading these after I had a hamburger and, <laughs> and, and I got really sad. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many people responding to this question, and I realized, oh my god, people are suffering. We, oh, so, we are so bad. suffering yeah, that's so what, that's, badly. That's when I I think what hits me the most is we have such a great community. But I love that you guys out there listening appreciate that Claire and I can talk about weird things and then talk about serious things, and that you guys go there with us. So when we reach out for questions like this, and you respond in such a honest and vulnerable way, it really means a lot to us. So we take that very serious. One of the other comments is how do I stop this thinking? And I just want to eat like a normal person. So here we go. What's normal. We don't know what's normal for joy is going to be what's different and nor like completely not normal for me. Normal is whatever is normal for your body. Right. I think about Natalia talking about like, there's no normal amount of pooping or that's to, to do. Right. Yeah. There's what's normal for you. Right. Is you know, I had to mention pooping. Of course. You know, it's, it's, we haven't talked about it once this episode. I would have been disappointed if you hadn't mentioned pooping. <laughs> I know. And that was for you, Claire. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, you know, again, this idea idea of like what's normal like it really is what's normal for you in general like we have if you're really in touch with like fueling your body you know where your your hunger and your nutritional needs are hold on I was gonna say something else and I just totally lost track of it what was it after she said uh I just want to eat like a normal person like a normal person and then there was something was it something how do I just stop this thinking stop the thinking okay so here's what I'm gonna say you can't stop the thinking no the thoughts you can't stop. When I listened to Sam Dancer's interview last week, um, the thing that really stuck out to me, which I'm sure is what stuck out to your listeners, is stop being the victim of your shitty thoughts, mm-hmm. right? So I agree with that, but you can't stop your thoughts. No, you can't. They are going to come. They're, They're going to be negative. They're yeah. going to be fucked up. Yeah. They are going to be completely self-destructive. Um, you cannot stop thinking. Let me let me Go share ahead. a little nugget to... <laughs> a little nugget. Chicken, chicken nugget. <laughs> a little nugget to uh, jump on that point is I went and saw Brene Brown speak recently and she talked about your shitty first draft. Have you heard this before? She talks about the shitty first draft is, and actually she got it from, I think it's Anne Lamont. Your shitty first draft is always your worst first draft. And she talks about that in your mind where the first thing that comes to your head is going to be the most critical, shittiest, most untrue, horrible, blah, blah, blah thought that you have. So she's like, never operate from that shitty first draft. You have got to revise it and revise it and revise it and revise it until you get a better better draft in your mind. So that's what I think you're saying is Mm -hmm. those critical thoughts are going to come. You can't stop those. All day long, I tell patients that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're going to get crappy thoughts all day. Mm -hmm. You need to wrangle them and you need to control them. So don't Mm -hmm. let them control you. And you need to rewrite your drafts over and over and over again until you get a better draft, until you feel better about what it is you're telling yourself. But if we believed everything that ran through our head all day, I'd be locked in a dark room. I don't think I'd be alive. <laughs> like, if I want to take it really dark, right? I mean, that's that's the whole, like, the one thing I've learned in my 35 years, the, the thoughts that we have, we have no control over. We We have control over what ones we pay attention to. 
That's it. Yeah. Right? Which ones are going to occupy our space and our time and our energy? Yeah. Right? So someone had asked a question. I'm just going to take this here about like a books about body image. Like how do I have a better body image? Here's the thing that we actually know. And I, I'm going to say that there's research about it, but I actually don't know the study. So I kind of feel stupid. But positive body affirmations are like, I love my body or my body is strong. That shit doesn't work because it's fake. If you don't feel good about your body, lying to yourself and telling yourself like, oh, I'm just going to keep saying positive things. It's going to feel fake and inauthentic. So I actually don't have... Go ahead, Claire. Sorry. It reminds me of that part in What About Bob at the beginning where he's sitting on his bed rubbing his temples going, I feel good. I feel great. I I feel feel wonderful. wonderful. I feel good. (laughs) I feel great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, So it's really... It's not about... Reading books to make you feel better about your body. It's actually about like, I, I would say like reading books to make you just like feel better about who you are as a human and the mm-hmm. rest will unfold. There is one book that's called, I love it, Learning to Live with Your Body and Other Things You Hate, which I actually, I, I forget the author, but that's Learning to Live with Your Body and Other Things You Hate. Basically it talks about how do you still be a human if there's things you don't like about your body. Yeah. Um, and there's another one called Eating in the Light of the Moon, which is by Anita Johnston. And that is basically about women's relationships with their bodies as told through old folklore throughout oh, the, cool. the, the world. And and that's that's a good one. The other thing that I want to bring up in this same comment is, and this I, I hope this person listening and submitted who submitted this comment doesn't think I'm like picking on you, but it's just because it's so universal of what you're saying, and it can apply to so many of us. Uh, I look like I'm in, in great shape, and I'm pretty good CrossFitter, but I just can't help but feel like a fraud, like I'm not perfect, and people looking up to me, and then I should be perfect. So then when I go home and eat like chocolate chips and junk food, I'd let them down, type of thing. That's so much pressure. I'm trying to like figure out how well it's just I would this, respond it's, to it's that. Putting value on body yeah. and people look up to you for what your looks. I don't know. I would challenge that thought of people are looking up to you and, and where you find value from that or where do you feel that pressure of they are looking up to you, quote unquote, because you look good or because you work hard or are they, mm. are they making comments about your body? From the, from the perspective of somebody who does look up to other CrossFit athletes, if anything, I feel like I look up to them for being real people and still being yeah. able to maintain like a high level of athleticism or, you know, performance. And it's like, I, you know, it would be a relief to know that they went home and had a handful of chocolate chips or whatever, you know, not that that would let me down. Right. I think of Julie Bauer when we talk about this with her of how she's a paleo blogger and how many people on her Instagram, whenever she would post a recipe, especially when she was starting out, like, is that paleo? Yeah. And are you eating things that aren't paleo and how black and white it is? And so I think that's the thing of when we see people working so hard, especially being inundated with social media of all these people eating really well and working out really hard. The idea is that they're just hands down 100% being good. It goes Mm -hmm. back to that good and bad. And you know what? Can we not be horrible? Can we not have a day where I just want to like go eat a pizza? Well, and you know An entire one? Interesting when I think about that. I don't know anybody who looks up to that and admires that fully. I think every person I know, and I'm not in the CrossFit community, but I am in the running community. And let me tell you this. The people I follow on Instagram that are runners are the people that like eat donuts and drink beer. So I... I don't know anyone that is just like, oh my God, I really, really look up to this person because they're like flawless and they don't. Regina George is flawless. <laughs> or literally, if that, if like that mindset, yeah, I feel like literally if that mindset exists, 
that almost to me is like like so you guys all know Brandon works at the, in the eating disorder unit at Children's Hospital and he will sometimes talk about his patients who refer to these like pro anorexia blogs mm-hmm. oh yeah and that to me almost sounds like you know like if you're following if you're looking up to someone because they are so restrictive then you know that is what that reminds me of are looking up to those like like you're if if you're looking up to someone because they're so restrictive then that person probably is not a super healthy role model in the first place and it's sad like the more I thought about that I like thought about like there was a time in my life where I was eating super super healthy and I was so sad I was miserable like you know I look back and I'm like those are the like most miserable times of my life right were you yeah anyway and that's where I that's why I asked the question at the beginning of the age because had you said this to me when I was 20 I would have not heard it yeah and I would have wasted there's no doubt in my mind the same trajectory would have happened which I'm fine there's nothing like really bad but I look back and the only regret I have in regards to that is <laughs> there's plenty of dates I wouldn't have gone on that's so that was a load that was a loaded sigh joy okay wait I, 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 yeah, I, I want to circle back about something okay so I feel like every single time we have we talk about this we, every time we have Lisa on the episode we talk about black and white thinking we talk about you know what is normal for you we talk about you know kind of we have all these things that that are themes for sure but I feel like one of the things that we don't really tend to address is like okay for someone who's listening and thinking yes I have black and white thinking no I have no idea what normal is for me yes I, I I appreciate that this is an issue and that like I'm not healthy space but I feel like we kind of we help people identify that but we rarely give them like okay here's an action item for you to start working towards identifying you know what's normal for you or identifying how to move away from black and white thinking and obviously that process is going to be huge and different for a lot of people but what would be a couple of things that you would tell people okay here's where to get started to kind of start moving away from that and maybe decide are you a little more acute than you than you want to think that you are or you know is this just something where you've kind of let your paleo or your zone or whatever get a half step too far so one word, exposure. That would be my my intervention is, uh, we, well, we call it psychological flexibility. The way that you start testing that is doing something that feels a little uncomfortable and seeing how you respond. Like for someone that follows like a really, really strict diet, we would say like, well, what would happen if you went to your friend's birthday party and you have a piece of birthday cake? Like what happens? Um, right. Let's let's. Let's follow that. But it's actually, I feel like it's less about thinking and more about doing and then taking a look at how you how it respond felt to when certain, you did it. Yes, and yeah. how you felt about it. That Would makes you, sense. What, yeah, do you agree? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, for instance, if I was stressed out about going to, like, a Christmas party because there's a bunch of desserts there. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And then going and experiencing it and then reporting back and being like, yeah, I was really nervous about being around all the food because I was afraid I was going to eat too much. Yeah. Go to the Christmas party and have a cookie. Yeah. But um, here's the thing is, okay, so here's where I'm going to throw a little okay. wrench in the plants because... Okay. And this may get a little personal. Like, this is my old stuff coming up where I'm like, yeah, I'd go. And then you worry about just diving in and eating too much. Sure. But then, I don't know. Like, you, you're worried about going. But then if you eat, you just can't stop type of thing. Like, you, it's like right, that, that all or nothing. My thing is kind of like, okay, if you tell someone, okay, try to, like, push your boundary 
if you know like their whole thing is that they're they've created these boundaries because if they do go outside of them they know that's where kind of the disordered eating starts you know is that a situation where it's like okay if you know that it's gonna immediately draw you into a darker place do you do that with the supervision of a therapist you know like what is the kind of that next thing to kind of yes that's what I was going to actually say is then then you need an outpatient team you either need a dietitian or a therapist that's there supporting you and you don't have to have an eating disorder to seek out mental health treatment. Yes, thank you. You can be like, oh, my yeah. relationship with food is a yes. little fucked up and I yeah. might need to talk to someone about it. And let me tell you from working at Kaiser, we have eating disorder specialists on the team who meet with people on an outpatient basis. So they just come in a couple times a week and if they need more intensive services, obviously they get it. But there's a lot of people that live in the middle of that world that don't need inpatient and they don't need you know anything more than maybe a couple sessions a week to treat that and it's effective you know so but they have a whole team and they have a dietitian and they have a therapist and they check in with them regularly but that's a good point to make is it doesn't have to be oh I'm going into inpatient I think a lot of people are afraid of that and not a lot of people know about that because especially with mental health treatment it's not like readily available to everyone Right. The other thing too that I want to add is, so say you go to a Christmas party and you end up like completely overdoing it on cookies or whatever. So that's, that's what I'm hearing is like, so what happens if you do that? Like my question is like, what happens if you do that? You probably wake up the next morning and you feel kind of shitty, right? You don't feel good. So you go work out. Maybe you drink some green tea and get a salad for lunch and you feel better. Maybe the opposite happens and you start to go down a downward spiral. The, the, the key is looking for patterns, right? So if you have a pattern of going out and losing it at a Christmas party because you're, you're just, you know, binging all the time, then you need some help. I think we also have all been in a, I mean, I, I feel like I like overeat like once a week. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, and the next day I don't feel good. And you know what? And I go and I move and make a better choice the next time. Yeah. I'm feeling like I'm hearing Natalia's voice right now. And I'm just like, what would she say right now? Because I think this is so, there's just a lot more that we can dive into. And I feel like I say that every Mm -hmm. time we, we talk, but this is something too where people want to know how to stop that mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. How do they just not have an unhealthy relationship with food? Like that, I know it's yeah. a loaded question, but it's like they just want to walk into the party and not even have to think about it. Yeah. Once again, coming from a non-clinical standpoint, the I think the key word is a relationship with food, and any yeah. relationship is going to go back and forth, and is you know it's not going to be a set value. You know, like even as someone you know who who claims to have never really had body image issues or to never have really had like food issues, I still, you know, make choices that I know are not healthy for me or I make, you know, I mess around with my diet to try to, to manipulate different parts of my performance or whatever it is. And it's a give and a take. Any person, even if you have a quote unquote healthy relationship, it's still a give and take because it's still a relationship, which is sort of an odd thing to say since food is like, an, you know, it's like a inanimate thing that you're about to digest. But at the same time, it, it you know, has a really serious, significant excuse me, cultural significance and obviously like a significance for your health and whatever. But I just don't think that it's realistic to ever think that you are going to have food as this set role in your life. I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of people look for like 
if I just reach this point, right, whether it's like I just either like reach this weight, then then I'll feel better about myself. And that is not true. Our relationship oh, with yeah. ourselves and our That's body never gonna change. and food is going to wax and wane. And I mean, Joy, I mean, I can say like I had dinner with Joy last Monday and I was like, I went crazy about my body image last week and it like scared me. It bothered mm-hmm. me. I'm like, here I am like an expert and I have a pretty healthy relationship. And I had a fat day and I lost my shit right again the difference is can you step outside of it not be reactionary and look at it and be like man what else is going on in my life right now and treat yourself nicely instead of using that as the way to control your mood is to find out what's behind it so you don't use that as your yardstick of feeling better ever i don't need to say anything else okay beautiful (laughs) oh my god amen (laughs) preaching Can we just turn up the lightness here? Can we just go? Okay. Can we end with maybe, I I know you hate this and I don't want to put you on the spot, but maybe think about it while okay. we wrap up. Steps or tools, like distilling it down to maybe some real life things that people can do to help. I My first one is don't use the yardstick of food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and I know this is, it's different for everyone. And I think that's another thing that we could go into is everyone is so different, but they're applying these things to their life that really aren't a fit for them. You know, so they're seeing all these people on Instagram eating a certain way and they're like, I need to eat that way. And then it's like, well, they, that might not work for you. Your body may not like that. Yeah. <gasps> I think the key is like, I think we talked about this before. But, like, stop reading shit. Stop reading right? shit. Like, get the hell off the internet. Yeah. Like, just stop. Like, when right? I read the comments section, just not good. Right. Nothing good ever comes from that. No. Like, that's the first thing. Like, really tuning in to, man, like, how do I feel? That You know, that, that, that reader that comes, or the listener that comes home, and, like, every day she binges, literally saying, like, what am I hungry for? Our food is tied to our I have emotions. to say that sounds a little therapisty oh, I know I know but you know I'm what sorry. but it just does and I I, 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 I but I know what you're saying but it's I know it's I'm a trying little... to find a response for that <laughs> but it's true right I it's know tr- but it's just a little bit <laughs> sorry, of me I'm so like, unrelatable you guys I, no, no no I'm no. totally on perfect <laughs> as a therapist I'm saying that's corny but like <laughs> but no it's true you know what I stand by that because I'll I can end like on a funny note like I was vegetarian vegan for a really really long time and like one day I woke up and I was so hungry for chicken after 18 years and I didn't think about it I just was like man I'm hungry for chicken I did that with hard-boiled eggs and I ate like a six-pack in the parking lot of Whole right. Foods see and it was amazing okay <laughs> So I just saw that YouTube video of the Whole Foods parking lot, and now I just wanted to add... You just saw that? Just <laughs> now? In my head. Oh, okay. And and I thought about Joy sitting in her car eating hard-boiled eggs, and I'm sitting at the Whole Foods deli at 8 a.m. on a Saturday eating just a plain chicken breast yeah. by myself. And I was like, this is delicious. So good. Right? And so being curious of like what you're hungry for and what you're craving, Yeah. right? When I... Okay. And then my whole life changed after I started eating meat again I can was I like, oh, can I back yes. up and say when you're saying like what you're hungry for like yes. literally what you're hungry for yes okay not like I'm hungry for life no because I, <laughs> I well no actually like like what, if you're craving like chocolate covered almonds are you hungry for like gratification right yes okay. yeah I mean I know you guys think I'm crazy but I actually stand by this very I, okay, and like, I trust you I, like, I mean you know your stuff so like I'm not what I, I'm sorry you, for making fun of no, you no no it's okay <laughs> I, I make fun of myself too <laughs> 
There are things usually that your body is trying to get into it that you're not even aware of. And you're like, why am I like aimlessly or I didn't even think about it that I ate like that entire bag of tortilla chips. And maybe you are just breastfeeding. And in Claire's case, like that probably is just the case. Um, right. My why is like, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting here asking myself the, the, the eternal Lisa and Italia yeah. why, it's because I'm literally in a calorie deficit and it's mm-hmm. the fastest way to get food into mm-hmm. my face. And totally. the least likely food that I will drop on my baby while he's eating. oh yeah you can't have any salt just falling all over miles eyes that's terrible and like i've actually i think somebody needs to make like a like a tray that comes out under your chin because the other day i was trying to eat spaghetti (laughs) while i was nursing him and it was a disaster don't ever try that it was was called a bib yeah but one that like is a lateral bib yeah that like catches it underneath yeah yeah a lateral bib that would be so cool Just shovel it right back in. Then you could just like yeah. tilt it up and then the rest of the, the crumbs. Could, yeah, it could just like be a funnel on the other <laughs> side. <laughs> okay, can we finish really quick with the parts talk again one more time? Because oh, yeah. I, I, I read a comment too about someone saying like, I hate my stomach. We got to go into that. Two, oh, two God, seconds. How do we want to go into just, that? Just talk about how we should look at, oh. think of ourselves as a whole person. Yeah, I mean, like, I think this is like one of the worst things. And, and this is not like, I feel like our fault as women. Although like, I guess we contribute to this. One of the worst things that I've that I've seen that has happened to our relationships with our bodies is we have just completely compartmentalized, right? So we are either like our biceps or our stomach or our hip bones or our ass or whatever that is. And we have like neglected to remember that we are a whole being. Um, and there are, and, and that's how I can say my relationship with my body wasn't always good. Because I was compartmentalizing, like, oh, if I like look this way or this way, or I don't like this about myself, but I like this. The reality is like when I step back and I look at myself as a whole human being, my relationship with my body shifts mm-hmm. because I realize like I'm actually, I'm not my stomach. Like you guys have all seen that meme, like you are not fat, you have fat. It's. I was just going to start singing the I am beautiful song yeah. that Damien <laughs> oh. oh gosh, I feel like don't I just wanted me. to end on that, but I was like, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> Um, but again, this is like where we go. I, I mean, I've talked about this before, but our, our bodies, our containers, our vessels for our souls. Um, and when you start feeling good about the work that you're doing on the inside as a human being, as a mother, as a friend, as a sister, as a wife, as a lover, you name it. I guarantee you, your relationship with your body on the outside is going to change. That's not to say you're going to love it and you're going to be like, everyone, look at me. I feel so great about my body. But you are going to realize that, again, I go back to like, you are an instrument. You're meant to play and birth and have sex and eat and be a powerful human being. Yeah. Or weak sometimes because that's also, you know... Sometimes we got to be soft, let other people hold us. I think that's the biggest thing that, like, from my, like, I was saying, like, you know, being, having being, been pregnant really gave me a different appreciation just for, like, the value of my body. And I think, mm-hmm. like, having, you know, the last three weeks, my body has changed an insane amount. I mean, three weeks ago, or I guess three weeks and, like, two days ago, 
I was a huge 10 month pregnant lady. And now I'm like back to almost having a flat stomach, which is amazing. But it's also like, I'm very, I'm still very squishy. Like my boobs are doing weird things. Like, you know, they're just, it's not like, I don't like quote unquote have my body back, which is just such a ridiculous phrase, but (laughs) get your body back. I was just going to say that, but being able to look at it more objectively and just be like, okay, this is what my body as a whole, not only just did, but is still doing. And like, this is what me as a whole, you know, this is how that transition in my body has changed me as a person. Like it's made it a lot easier to kind of say, okay, like these changes are, or, you know, my body right now is a reflection of of this crazy thing that I'm going through. And, you know, I think obviously, and may may I add, yes, badass thing that you just went through. Like, and right, like it's, it's incredible. Like the more I, you know, I, I, like I would say this when I was pregnant, like I just couldn't think about about the literal things my body was doing or was getting ready to do that much because it totally freaked me out because I was like, oh my God, what the hell? And like, really? And like breastfeeding is insane. Just, you know, like everything is just crazy. But, you know, and, and obviously like pregnancy is such a specific example, but it's made me, given me an appreciation for, you know, wishing that people could look at their bodies in that same way and think like, look at the, you know, like look at what I'm going through in my life. You know, like my body is a reflection of everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm getting ready to do. And, you know, being able to take in all those different factors rather than just look at yourself and be like, oh, my, my nail beds suck. <laughs> I have man shoulders, you know, like it's just not, I don't know, just being able to look at it from a, a broader perspective is really eye opening. Yeah. I love that you just said that my body is a reflection. Our bodies are a reflection of every experience that we've been having. Mm-hmm. We have lost track of that. And I think we're we're getting there. But I, oh man, Claire, like I'm like mind blown. And you're not even the eating disorder expert. Like I want to take that back <laughs> to everyone that I know. Like your body is a reflection of every experience you've had. That day where I was feeling crappy about my body and I was like, oh, my quads are so huge. You know, someone had to remind me, they're like, haven't you been like training for a trail marathon? So like you've been running hills. I'm like, oh, right, right. So my body is a reflection of that whether your body is a reflection of like, I have just birthed a human, whether you've lost weight and you've been like, I've been really depressed. I mean, our bodies are a reflection of our experience and we cannot lose sight of that. And how do we hold those experiences with a lot of love and compassion is the question. Claire. Joy. I have a really funny song for you. Oh no. Oh no! <laughs> this is so exciting. I know what it is. No, hey. you don't. You don't. You don't, you don't, you're not expecting this at all. I'll be the judge of that. Yo, yo, yo! All you sucker MCs ain't got nothing on me. I'm a great, I'm a lion. You can't suck Kevin G. I'm a athlete. So nerds and birds, but forget what you heard. I'm like James Bond the third. Shit, not stirred. I'm Kevin the poor. I'm Kevin the poor. <laughs> Make love to a woman on the bathroom floor. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. That's enough. What does his business card say? Mathlete and badass MC. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's so on good. That, on that note. Claire, you want to give a quick update on Miles? He's doing good. He's um, so good. He's just the snuggliest. Yeah, that's about it. He's I... snuggly and he sleeps and he eats and he farts really loud. He farts so loud. So loud. <laughs> His digestive system is making some moves at all times of the day. (laughs) It wakes me up sometimes. I'm like, oh, child just shot his pants. I was at Claire's last week and he farted so loud. I just... Yeah, I was like, is he farting or pooping? Well, no, I imagine there's a lot of gas happening up in there. Yeah, it's both, and also rarely is it one or the other. (laughs) 
<laughs> so great. It's a con- it's a con- yeah. The, the activities are combined for the most part when you're on a liquid diet. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> which he, I would never recommend unless yeah, you're a baby, unless you're a newborn. And yeah, he like just he let out this huge fart. And Joy looked at me. She's like, "Was that you?" I was like, "Yes, Joy. I just sat here ripped ass in front of you." <laughs> no. <laughs> You guys don't fart in front of each other? I mean, I would, like, let out a little too, but I'm not going to say that. I mean, it was like a rip. (laughs) It was like a rip to where I was startled. I don't don't even know that I would have, like, the literal physical capability of making a fart like that. That that loud. It was was amazing. It was was definitely an old man fart. It was so great. Gotta let it go. Proud of him. All right, we got to wrap up, you guys. Um, Lisa, where can we have people look for information, or do you want them to just, like, before email us? Email us, girlsgonewad at gmail.com. So that's girlsgonewad at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions or want to be referred to talk to Lisa for more resources. She's happy to do that. Remember you guys to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe that bumps us up in the charts. You can do that on iTunes and you can access this on any podcast app these days. So please leave a review and share with your friends. This grows organically. So please tell your friends, share at the box, you know, at the water cooler. And then Kalo, get your Kalo ring, Q-A-L-O.com, discount code G-G-W. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for all your questions, guys. Bye. Bye.